Welcome to The Third Wheel. This is episode 9, and today we are going to be talking about chapters 22 through 27 in The Great Hunt. Uh, I am Tyler. Joining me is... Bjorn. And... Jesse. Sweet. So, a little shorter in chapter count, um, same in page count, but none of that matters anymore, because... I've decided that uh, this is a surprise. I did not discuss this with either of you. Um, this is no longer like a Wheel of Time fan read-through um, podcast. This is now just a uh, Rand fan club podcast. Uh, so we'll start with you, Vion. What's your favorite thing about Rand? Nothing. What about you, Jesse? Oh, he's just really dreamy. He came to my farm one day, and he made me think about the wider world. Aw, that's great. Oh, I'm sorry. That was the tone I was supposed to go with. Oops. <laughs> I just like that he's so tall and aiel. Nothing like a tall, exotic man. I really am not sure how to feel about the Rand fan club. <laughs> Like, even while I was reading it, that wasn't the... Like, I got a different read from... It's bad. I kind of liked it. I have to think of it as comedy, or else I'd have to stop reading. It was comedic. I guess I just found it kind of sad. I was like, ah. All right. Well, well, we'll get to that chapter in a bit. Yeah, we got three distinct readings of that (laughs) section, so this will be great. So we are going to start with uh, chapter 22, Watchers. It's a Moraine chapter. Yay! Yay! Missed you, boo. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Um, She's barely been in this book. Yeah, because she won't say two words to Rand. The fan club can do that instead. Yeah. They don't Uh, even see Rand either. No, they, they, like except for Egwene, have all met Rand one time. <laughs> but it was the most important time in their lives. Tavare. <laughs> for real. So, one thing to note here is that the chapter starts with the same sentence as the last one ended with. Very cool. Nothing is happening as I expected. Look at that literary choice. Whoa. Too bad we took a week between chapters. Well, I figured this one works better as an intro, and you'll see why. So Moraine is on, like, a backwoods farm, just out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, She's trying to find some information in the archives of a pair of sisters that live out here. She says With a capital S, sisters. Yes. Yes, to be clear, capital S, sisters. She says she doesn't even really know what she's looking for, just something. She's not having much luck, and instead she starts talking to Lan about their past. There's a lot of stuff in here. I am more than happy to hear Beyond's thoughts before I give my next thing. I just felt like this was a very uncomfortable conversation, potentially with capitals, because what is Moraine trying to do with this conversation? Like... Are we just bringing it backstory so us, the readers, can know what's going on and this is a great way to set some narrative? Is this something where Moraine's bored so for fun she's just like, let's make Lan's life more difficult? 
Is it her just being petty? What What is the point? I think it's something in between a couple of the things you said. I think she is trying to provoke Lan because she senses that his loyalties are being divided. So she's trying to like feel him out, I guess. Is divided my like a pair of riding skirts. It just, it seems a little unnecessary. Maybe this is just me, but I don't think you should test your allies. I think that's a little rude. I mean, Moraine is a manipulative Aes Sedai puppet master. <sighs> Those gosh darn Aes Sedai puppet masters. She's a Tarvalin witch. Yep, can't trust a witch. It's, it just, I don't know, if, if we're going on the whole ladies versus ladies thing, um, well, no, societally we raise women to compete against each other, and so it just felt unnecessary because there's so much power difference between the two of them even if Nenev has all this potential she's also way younger she's still figuring out where she is so even if land is having a weird like crushing on her it's he knows what his job is and he's gonna do it and he's like yeah i'm still bound to you i got it it's fine we're still bound and then she's like but you know when i disappear you're gonna go to this person which is just rude. I mean, yeah, she's being very manipulative. That's just sort of her bag. She's rude. <laughs> I mean, also she talks about the fact that Lan has had flings before that she's never cared about, but Nanave is different. So I think it's it seems yeah. Kind of like in Steven Universe, where Pearl is very unhappy with Greg's existence, and then because Pearl is so unhappy, then Greg's existence actually becomes a bigger deal. It's one of those things where if I think she just let it be, it might not become as big of a dramatic thing, but because now it's like poking the bear, people are love to be contrary and be like, well, whatever, I'll do what I want. This is all great discussion. I look forward to an entire book of it in New Spring. You think we're getting all the way around to New Spring? Well, eventually, right? It's not. It's fine. Is the order then going through all 14 and then that, or...? There's discourse. There's discourse? Yeah. I've heard some people say, like, read it after 5. I've heard, like, after 5. I've heard not until 7... I've heard after 11, and I've heard after 14. Is there a majority one? Uh, In terms of the books being published, it was published last, or most recently, correct? No, it was published, I think, after 7. Don't fact check me. So... Please fact check me. (laughs) Should we just read it in the when it was published, then? Maybe. I'll decide. That seems simplest, in my opinion. Let me finish book five on my own, and then I'll let you know. Okay. So, yes, we kind of touched on it during that, uh, but there is part of the discussion where Moraine talks about what happens if she dies. Um, The bond will be passed to someone who will then be passed to someone. It's the first time that the compulsion in the bond has ever been used. Um, He is displeased with this piece of information. One way to yeah. I, I I guess I consented this, but I, I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, like, I think their relationship is unique even among Aes Sedai and Warders. They um, yeah, feel I don't sort know. of uh, obligation to each other beyond the bond. 
If only there was a whole book about how they got to that point. We'll get to it. Because he, he's the last prince of something something, so he comes from a position of power, correct? No. I mean, no. yes, he is, but no, because like, when he was a baby, the country that he is the last prince of was destroyed. Okay. So like, he has nothing. He has the title. He has the title, and so like, he but has- he's landless. Yeah. Land is landless. Yeah. He okay. has the loyalty of the Borderlanders, but it doesn't come with like money or soldiers besides people that would just volunteer because he's him. Okay. Does he have, does land have any meaning besides like- You know it's land, right? There's no D. Oh, oops. Okay. I was definitely thinking of as land. Aw, we're perfect for each other. Because we're both bad at names? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Okay, please continue. Well, you were asking a question about Lan and his- Oh, I, I just, I, I legit thought his name was Land, so I was trying to think of, with, with, with no, with how, how names oh. have been symbolic in here vaguely, with Moraine, potentially relating to Moira, the Fates, with Rand Althor being casual lordy. Yeah, I don't know. It, I, I guess, while I find manipulation interesting, I'm not the biggest fan of reading it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's it's like you can read something and it's well written, but then you just end up despising the character because the character is well written, but they just do things you don't like, and you're like, I don't like you anymore. Well, enjoy the rest of the series. <laughs> Honestly, I'm kind of just who will I dislike the least? Find out many many books from now. It's only like twelve to thirteen books from now. For me, I think some of Moraine's manipulation is sort of tempered with the fact that she sort of just comes out with it to Lan and then says, I will not be unhappy, my old friend, if you manage to put those plans awry. So she's essentially saying is like, yeah, I have a bunch of things going on, but if my plans go wrong and we get to both be alive together, I wouldn't be that mad about it. So yeah. she has feelings. She has feelings. Yeah, well, because the only thing that she cares about is that Lan, like, doesn't go get killed in the Blight, like, a day after she dies. So, any other outcome is superior. You still have a role to play. Yeah. So, he storms off. Uh, Van Deen comes upstairs with tea and exposition. Mmm, my favorite. Um... Moraine asks about a number of topics and then gets some info that's useful to us, but not her, um, including part of the Carathian cycle, five ride forth and four return. Above the watchers shall he proclaim himself, bannered across the sky in fire. Wonder who that could mean? I have no idea. Who could it possibly be? Who's the only relevant he when it comes to the Carathian cycle? Hmm. Is it McThor? So Moraine comes down. I'm sorry. She goes downstairs for a walk. She's out in the garden, just minding her own business. And a drog car just casually shows up. Uh, It's very clearly a vampire. It's got the big wings and the face... Um, and it starts to sing, which I don't know. You know what I mean. <laughs> don't laugh at me. Uh, it starts to sing, and I'm honestly unclear if this is like 
a psychic thing or if it's like actual singing. I think it's a psychic thing. Okay. No, but imagine just being in a garden and hearing that, just being like, what's happening? Gone right now. Vampire. Look around. Oh, it's a vampire. Oh, it's a vampire. Oh, they just do that every Sunday. Um, So it sings, it's mind controlling her to come closer. And Moraine mentions that if it catches her, it'll eat her soul or something. Kind of like the black wind, it sounded like. So luckily the warders show up and I don't know how it's possible that I didn't write down whatever they yell as uh, they're it's embrace death. Yeah, they just scream embrace death as they're like killing this drug car. It's really cool. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever understand battle cries. Well, like the part that's cool to me is not that they both say it as they're doing it it's that like lan is one step ahead and then the other one follows it up i mean it's a pretty edgy thing to say regardless of if someone else says it first that's true you are also fighting like a vampire that eats your soul embrace death embrace <laughs> death was it because moraine was still kind of taking in information that she wasn't able to sense the singing vampire mermaid dementor no she mentions that it's warded okay. so which would require a female channeler okay so, so but there is no black aja so how is that possible how is this mysterious lady doing these things well hey spoilers, spoilers. moraine is yeah she knows that the black aja exists so i would have to like read the section and then give my thoughts but she's either covering uh so that the other sisters don't know or i don't know she knows that lanfear is free like she was in that meeting so she got the memo (laughs) so moraine mentions hey i need to send some letters and then she and lan get ready to leave just kind of you know pretty quick chapter is lanfear targeting everyone then that could be somewhat related to rand or well i'm not saying that it's actually lanfear just like there are multiple people it could be okay it could be any black aja anybody in their casual cult that totally is not at odds with their original pledge chapter 23 the testing also known as the good chapter yeah i think besides the last like four to five chapters in uh Falm. this is my favorite chapter in the book it's good it's really good like unambiguously good like i don't actually have like anything bad to say about it i'm really glad that both of you also like it uh because the entire time that i was reading this i was marking out i was like is this going to be one of those where the two of you are like nonchalant about this chapter and i'm like crying tears of joy but nah, it's good okay cool so it's about nanave which thank god because we've had chapters where nanave is like a character and so it becomes about her but this is like a dedicated nanave chapter so she's in the basement of the tower being led to the accepted test by sherium there's some ceremony involved and we get some small background on the tur angriel in use by the Aesidae and what can go wrong with them. Uh, turns out, just about anything. 
Yeah, this is the first time that they've explained Terangriel in the book. And I, it's a smart framework for having magic artifacts that can fuck with the story without magic people being around. Yeah. Part of what this chapter made me wonder is if everyone has had to go through this to become an Aes Sedai, how then, why are Black Aja a thing? Or Red Aja? To, to what extent... What do you mean? Well, going through these trials mm-hmm. and accepting them mm-hmm. and accepting the certain principles you're going to live with, mm-hmm. how can you do that and then do something that is so contrary to your mission statement? Let me show you the oath of office that uh, U.S. senators take about defending the Constitution before <laughs> they are sworn in. Okay, but but they they don't go through their traumas to and they, they they don't have to go through this test where they fight themselves. No, but let me tell you, if you are planning to join the Black Aja because you're evil before you even go to the tower, your trials are probably. I'm scared of getting caught for something bad I did. I am currently scared of getting caught for something <laughs> bad I am doing, and my future is I'm scared of getting caught for something bad I'm going to do. So people go in already being evil? Sometimes people go in already being evil. Like I thought you, it was more of they turn to evil. It can be any combination of the... Let me show you the current sitting U.S. senators and ask how many you think started evil and how many became evil. I think this analogy is being broken. It's it's a broken no. analogy because we don't put them through their traumas that they endure and have to survive in order to represent But your the trauma people. doesn't like make you a better person. No, not necessarily, but like Spoiler and a knave doesn't become a markedly different person after this test. No. That she... might also be because she cheated, but <laughs> also because I suspect that this is not what this Turangriel is for. Like, it doesn't make you a better person. The only thing that it does is make you really upset. <laughs> like, it was probably not made so that people could test themselves. It was probably made as, like, a punishment. Like, you send somebody in and check to see if they are strong enough to overcome something, but not as, like, an initiation ritual. I don't know. They mentioned that they don't use Turangriel for what they were made for in general, so... Yeah. They were pretty specific about that. Unless it's like, this thing is a glow stick, so we use it to make light. Like, that would probably be an example of, this is what it's used for. Later on, there's a VR headset that they (laughs) don't use as a VR headset. Alright. Anyway, they do go through trauma in the Tarangriel, but it doesn't necessarily, like, wipe them clean of their character flaws. Despite pouring water on them. (laughs) Yeah, despite that. Um, also, I think this is the first time that they state in full what the Aes Sedai vow is. Uh, yeah, there's a few of them. And it's, uh, don't lie, don't make weapons, don't kill. Unless you have to. Yeah, but they do it on a Tarangriel, which means that it is, like, magically enforced. And that's why they have warders, so the warders can do all the things? Yes. Yeah, that's what Jesse mentioned last week, is like, you can't kill someone, but you can hold someone while your bodyguard kills them. Because, <laughs> like, just like how, because they can't lie, they can't sit there and, like, read off a list of names and keep saying, like, this person is the dragon reborn and see if their oath stops them. Like, it's not objective truth, and in the same way, the weapon thing isn't, like, 
there is no objective definition of a weapon. It's your interpretation of this use of the power cannot in your own mind be a weapon. That's disappointing. Yeah, well, like how they can definitely use it to, like, harm and distract you during tests or as punishment, but as long as in their own mind that's not under the weapon qualification, perfectly fine. That is very warped, and I don't think I like Aes Sedai, but not because they're Tarvalon witches, but I just don't <laughs> like Aes Sedai. Well, guess what? Guess what? There's more of them, and it's gonna keep being significant. And Sherium says... We swear these oaths that we are known to be bound allows the the nations to deal with us without fearing that we will throw up our own power, the one power, against them. So they're not thrilled with it either. They're just like, this is the only thing that lets us exist on this continent, is that people think that we can't lie and can't use the power against them. But it's a little more nuanced than that. But that's also why they have this, um, like when they step into the two rivers... People are saying, hey, you can't trust them. Like, everything that they say is a lie and a manipulation. Because, again, just like the Aes Sedai broke the world, but it was male Aes Sedai, and that information is no longer known. In the same way, like, the Aes Sedai can't lie, but that makes them known as manipulators, and you can't trust anything they say. Mm. But that's not... But, like, that's only because they have sworn an oath... So that you can theoretically trust everything that they say. I don't know. I really like stuff like that. Thinking emoji. Yeah, I think it's... <laughs> I think it's uh, really fascinating. So, anyway. Uh, Neneve accepts the test, and she steps into the yeah, first... She says that I must make Moraine pay for what she has done to us. I must. It's a good and motivation. I'm not sure what exactly that is exactly what has she done to us she took them out of their boring little lives and away from their family 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 uh upsert Neneve's understanding of the world also Neneve is naked this whole time worth because, noting yeah because purity uh yeah she, uh, clothed only in the light capital L you know how it is the oh, yeah. first time is for what was the way back will come but once. Be steadfast. And she is. She's pretty steadfast here. This is the good stuff. Yeah. Um, so the first space that she is in after coming through the Turangriel is a maze. All her memories are gone. Yeah. Like, all that she can remember is, hey, I gotta find this archway. So she's going through it. Uh, somebody is following her. And, hey, it's Agenor. Uh, who she now remembers. They engage in a battle of the power, and she's overpowering him. There's fireballs and lightning going back and forth. Uh, Neneve is... She has the upper hand over one of the Forsaken until the archery appears, and she thinks that, well, if I leave now, he's just going to come back and kill me, but I gotta get through the arch. Uh... Well, so, you, you really heavily skimmed this one. <laughs> well, like, I mean, it's just a bunch of her playing cat and mouse with uh, this guy that A, didn't matter when he was alive, and B, is dead. So, you don't matter. <laughs> I mean, I have definitely have a few things I want to talk about with this. Then but, was please, there any, but was there anything please. that stuck out to you, Bion, before that? 
just the kind of things of three is a significant number magically and then with past present future those are always popular in regards to magic fortune telling so yeah, yeah please I, I meant, please say your words and then well, i meant with I like respond. this first vision in particular i was confused why it was this specific named character i it I, I just was like, what is significant beyond that's a bad guy? Yeah, that has something to do with, I'm not sure how this relates to her fear of what was. I don't really know the connection there. Yeah, is it just like the concept of evil and that was like, that's my past perception of what is bad and scary? Because, like, there's been a lot worse things. Do you have any insight on this? Are you asking me? Yeah. Um not i mean i don't know he was the first man that she ever saw channel um he threw her and lan around like ragdolls and threatened to kill the two of them oh that kind of makes sense actually i forgot that she and him got into a direct battle of magic well nanave just rushed him with a knife yeah (laughs) like battle cry running across a hundred foot gap. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's all that I can think about. It's that's kind of my point is like, I agree that I'm not sure why this one matters. And I have a lot more to say about the other trials because I think that the other ones are incredibly good. I just think this one is kind of like, okay, great. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing I thought about was like, why does Agonor got to be so rapey? Like, that's a and, great question. But then I realized it's for the story because the knave can only channel when she's mad. So he's got to make her real mad. Yeah, that's true. Um, also, I, like violence towards women, that's pretty much the first thing you'll assume is like character development. What do yeah. you mean? Like, well, for, just like for like in, in any sort of like woman in danger situation, like Twilight, um, comparing the original Twilight versus the gender bent Twilight, where. Uh, uh bella's a guy instead of a girl um in the original she gets rape threats versus in the the second one he just gets mugged because like it's it's more significant because patriarchy and gender roles and virginity and sexual violence yeah more i was like why has it got to be like that like what you were talking about why like why do we always have to go there but because we live in a society but it kind of um, makes sense if for the writing you need the knave to be profoundly angry. Yeah. And worth noting, I don't think that this Turangriel is like warping her abilities. I think she is actually strong enough to beat him. Because, spoilers, I think she is uh, the second. Once she like maxes out her power... I think she's like the second strongest female channeler because she she's put blocks on herself yeah that's the thing that they keep saying is that like Egwene and elaine will be two of the strongest channelers that the white tower has had in centuries and then they are nothing compared to nanave nanave's been doing the rock lee training yeah <laughs> nanave is like doing the weighted training clothes yeah nanave nanave's block is literally weighted training clothes she's doing the like two finger push-up 
Yeah. And the other thing about this that I just want to keep track of going forward is what the actual challenge of the arch is. And mm. for this section, the challenge of taking the archway is that it goes up against her wrath and fear. Yeah. So, uh, like, her desire to kill Aganor is at odds with her desire to take the arch. And that's something to keep track of as we look at the next two. That's a really good point. Good job, Jesse. Yeah. Um, so, she steps out of the arch. Nave is... She talks about... She kind of talks about what she just saw. And um, Sherriam says that she shouldn't be able to channel in there. Um, and that... Even if she could, she certainly shouldn't be able to remember doing so. But she says, well, you can still channel. You didn't get burned out, so the show goes on. You passed, kind yeah. of. Well, you passed part one of three. So Nenev enters the next arch. So the next vision is Iman's field. Everything is, like, falling apart and neglected. <laughs> the fact that this is what she thinks Iman's field would be like without her is kind of hilarious. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, well, it's got to be, like, years after, right? Or, no, I guess not. I guess no, it's it would be for, real it's time. It's what is. It is. What, it's, it's the present. Well, but yeah. it's her fear of what is. It's not, like, a reflection yeah. of reality. But she, she literally thinks the buildings would be falling apart without her there. Yeah, I guess now that I think about it, they've probably only been gone for like six months. <laughs> Following him with her eyes, she saw signs of neglect all through the village. Thatch that should have been mended. Weeds filling the yards. It's like people aren't taking care of their houses because she's not there. If she's not there to box their ears, are they going to do it? <laughs> like, it fits with her character that this is like her fear of what Eamon's field would be without her. But it's also just kind of funny. Yeah, she... I don't know. I love Nanave. <laughs> so she heads over to the Wine Spring Inn to talk with Bran about what's going on. But he's uh, not there. No, he's not there because he's dead. Um, so she has this long conversation and it turns out that there's a new wisdom who is poisoning people who speak up against her and keeping the children just sick enough that they can't get rid of her. It's, yeah. Which makes me wonder, how do they choose a wisdom? Uh, the women's circle votes, presumably. That's what it sounded is, like. Is But Nenev had the, oh, the, no. the, the casual powers of weather and intuit, intuition and healing and stuff. So what does this... Well, because all wisdoms can say that they do that. It's okay. just that Nenev could actually do it. Okay. So they just pick the next charismatic person? I guess. I mean, they mentioned that... Nanave had been apprenticed to the wisdom before her, and that Egwene had just begun apprenticing with her. So I think there might sort there might be some sort of apprenticeship line going on, but mm -hmm. the situation here has been unusual. Because the apprentice and the person just was like, bye. Yeah, yeah, and now that I think about it, it actually um the village council I don't know if they're the only ones to vote, but I know that they do definitely vote because the wife of Bran, whose name exists, but I don't know. Marin. Oh, is that Marin? Yeah. Oh, yes, with Marin. Um, yeah, so Marin mentions that the women on the women's circle convinced their husbands to vote. Uh, no, that was about the vote for mayor, not for the vote for wisdom. Oh, you're so right. I don't know what I'm doing. 
Listen, yeah. this is the first time I think I've ever finished the notes more than 24 hours before we've recorded, and it's a trip. I'm I'm reading the section for the first time going back through the notes. <laughs> yeah, because the new wisdom essentially assassinated the mayor. And yes. then what a power move. And then got the wives of the village council to browbeat their husbands into electing a pushover mayor so that she would be the mayor and the wisdom. It is, in fact, a power move. <laughs> you gotta respect the hustle. She's like Rald Dahl, bad guy, evil. <laughs> Do you think she twirls her mustache while she does all this? They, they talk about how she walks around cutting the heads off of weeds with a switch. Yeah. Well, someone's doing the weeding, at least. Not you gotta pull well. them up by the roots. <laughs> wow. Jesse's really aggressive about his lawn care. Okay. So Nenev goes with Marin to try and get rid of the new wisdom, who has a name, but I didn't write it down. Uh, She's probably fictional. She <laughs> Like, is... in-universe fictional. <laughs> Almost certainly. Uh, so they're going and... Earlier, Nenev got seen by, uh, was it Billy Congar? Is that who it is? Uh. It's somebody. It's one of the old people. Yeah, the new mayor. Okay. Or is it Coplin? I don't know. I don't know who these people are. We're not in book four. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Nenev is seen who that guy then presumably goes and gets the new wisdom. Uh, So Nenev and Marin are going to try and get people together to get rid of her. And then they get intercepted. Marin is, like, screaming for Nenave to help her, but the arch appears, and Nenave's like, I gotta go. I can't. Sorry. So this time the arch is conflicting with her feelings of protectiveness. Yeah, her desire to help. So when she... Oh, one more thing before we move on. I totally skipped this because of how my notes are formatted. Uh... But I liked this one line when Nenev is told that Bran is dead. She says, Nenev could not imagine it. That broad, smiling man had always seemed as if he would go on forever. Which I think is, like, a great reminder. Even though she's the wisdom and she's probably dealt with people dying, she's, like, still young, so this thought of like, oh, this guy that has always been in this position since I was growing up, like in her conception, he just was never going away. I don't know. I like it. It just shows more layers of who she is. Yeah. Like, all her attitude and assumption and need to be in control of things, but she's still young and has lots to learn. Mm-hmm. When Nenev comes out of the second archway... She seizes Shirium by the collar (laughs) and demands to be told that it isn't real, Uh, which like this moment of a breakdown, because as she's leaving, as she's going through the second uh, archway, but back in Iman's field, she's like starting to cry, but she's like collapsing, like holding on to Shirium's collar in my mind. Like, that's how I see it is that that's the only thing holding her up. And she's, like, begging to be told, please, that can't have been real, right? Yeah. And something about Sherium's reaction sort of suggests that everyone reacts this way to this test. 
Yeah, it's... And it's only going to get better as time goes on. So this is where Sherium clarifies that the Turangriel just, like, reaches into your mind and pulls out subconscious fears and then turns them into, um, like, a hashtag curated experience for you. <laughs> I'd like to get off this ride now. Yeah. I'd like to get off the acidized wild ride. Get Take this Oculus headset off of me. Yeah. It's just really good. Uh, but she, Nenev, like, steals herself and goes into the third archway. She is immediately, like, filled with joy. She's wearing a beautiful dress. She's, like, skipping through a field of flowers with butterflies around her. <laughs> it's comically picturesque. She's married to Lan, who is the king of Malkir remade. The city is shining in the background, surrounded by light and life. Um, the thousand lakes glitter, and the seven towers stand whole. They it's, have kids. Yeah. They, he addresses her by wife. Yeah. Which I always think is a little weird, but... So, yeah, Land shows up to this conversation, and Nenave gives in to the illusion for, like, 30 seconds, and then... As soon as she realizes what it is, she, like, is just screaming. She's, like, holding her head in her hands, screaming that she can't take this, and she doesn't want to have to face this trial. It's, like, that moment of the switch from her giving in to, like, don't make me do this is fantastic. I was, like, making noises while I was reading. It continues to tempt her by talking about, like, her children, and she's going to go down to, back down to the two rivers. She tells Lan that she, uh, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Before that, um, the archway appears, and she tells Lan that she wants to stay with the implication that the rest of that sentence is, but I can't. But, like, when she says it, the archway disappears. Like, she fails. Yeah, that was a pretty big oh shit moment. Yeah. Um, so she embraces uh, Sidar and creates another archway, which yeah. <laughs> is a weird flex, but I'm into it. Um, I reject your reality. And substitute my own. <laughs> so Nanave is a huge badass, but she's yeah. also a cheater. Yeah, she she got an extra few seconds out of this nice thought. Uh, and Lan is, like, begging her to come back as she leaves. So she comes out of the third archway back into the room. And she's, like, weeping in a ball on the floor. Uh, and when Sherian picks her up, she's got these huge, like, black thorns shoved through her hand. Like, going all the way through her hand, it sounds like. Like Jesus. Like Jesus. Um... And so Sherian pulls them out, heals her, and they leave a big scar in the middle of her hand, which A, shouldn't happen. B, there were no thorns mentioned in that nice little dream. So did um, Nave they, like... They they mention it as part of her visualization of calling on Sadar to create the to create the portal. Okay. She says that she visualizes a flower, but this time with, like, brutal thorns that would impale her. Okay, so that was my question, was, like, did Nenev subconsciously, or maybe consciously as, like, a self-punishment, 
stick herself with these magically created thorns. Yes. I guess I should clarify. Like, do you think she did it on purpose? I don't think she knows how to do anything on purpose at this point. I think she Except was. Be awesome. <laughs> I think she was overwhelmed with the feelings of the sensations and realizing that she had to do something, otherwise she would be left there and she wouldn't be able to achieve things. So I think she was grasping at anything she could, and because so much of her magic right now is based on intense feelings like anger and distress, um, yeah, that's that's probably what happened. Yeah, because she's got to got she's got to get back and make Marine pay. Yeah. Which is pretty bitter thorny, and then there you go. There you go. Yeah. So I think this is like genuinely well written. I like the fact that it's a different motivation that makes the test difficult every time. Mm-hmm. Like I could see a lesser author having it sort of hit the same note three times, but like in higher intensities. The same note, or maybe more like a, some other musical term, maybe like a like a tempo or maybe a uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for Jesse I honestly have no clue what you're getting at maybe like a beat that was Fine. Hit yes, three times beat. <laughs> yes it I could just have been to... a three beat thank you I just wanted but to say it this is like a better three beat it's yeah three separate beats that explore three different parts of her character yeah I think this is um like I said probably one of my favorite chapters in the book it's good wow well i mean i feel like that's pretty high praise from me yeah explosive praise from beyond put that on the back of the book (laughs) it's good (laughs) wow i'm just in shock uh so anyway uh nanave is raised to accepted and we move on. She gets on. a fancy ring. She gets a fancy ring. She gets a, a fancier dress with some colors on it. Is, which, it. is it the colors of all of the yeah. Aesidae? Well, except the Black Aja. Because those aren't real. No. The Black Aja is fake news. Did they technically exist before they fell? No. Okay. They were have always been evil if they existed. Okay. <laughs> which they don't. Which they don't. For the record... <laughs> Fake I'm, news. I am legally obligated to remind you that the Black Asha does not exist. I've signed an NDA with the Dark One. I can neither confirm nor deny the existence of the Black Asha. So, chapter 24. New friends and old enemies. Also this known is, as the funniest chapter in this book. Yeah, this is also a good chapter, but not for the same reason. <laughs> so, this one is about Egwene, and sadly there's no Nenev in it. She's getting led to her room. Uh, she's a brand new novice. She gets there and, hey, there's somebody in there with long <laughs> golden hair named Elaine. Hey, what's up? Uh, so the two bond over being naturally good with the power, uh, how much more developed they are than they really should be at it. Yeah. Elaine sort of patronizes. Egwene's like, don't worry if you can't do anything very soon. But then Egwene like, flexes on her. But it's the same level of flex, because they're both at the same level. Elaine is very polite and provides us with some some exposition about the structure of the tower and like how novices accepted Ace and I fit together. And then asks, is Rand well? 
And it, it, it begins. It begins. The rest of the chapter begins. <laughs> Teenage shenanigans. Uh, yeah, reminder that these girls are 16. Is Randwell? Uh, is Randwell? You know him, right? You're from the same place. <laughs> hey, uh, Bion, do you know this person that went to the same college as you? You're from the same place, right? I mean, if if they were referring to the grad school I'm in now, that might actually work because it's really small, but my my actual undergrad now. So let me tell you, there's this thing called a joke. <laughs> I mean, Eamon's field is like population 200. Yeah. So yeah, like, that's true. So that would actually make sense because they're coming from a small rural sheep place. It's different. <laughs> a sheep place? Yeah. It's like if you talk to somebody from a rural area, they're going to be like, oh, do you know so-and-so? And then they'll probably be like, yes, because small communities know each other in that way. There's a beat where Elaine starts explaining culling to Egwene, and Egwene is like, bitch, I've raised sheep. <laughs> I'll cull you out of this harem. <laughs> uh, so the conversation turns to Rand, like you said. Uh, Egwene gets jealous about a boy that she doesn't want and can't have. We learn that Elsie Grinwell, who is the one that was chewing on her pigtails... <laughs> Uh, dude, that's like her main point of characterization to me. And that she was very thirsty. Yeah. Well, she had to get all the liquid out of those pigtails, I guess. Uh, she's come to the tower, and she's a novice who is probably going to be kicked out soon because she just keeps going to watch the warders instead of doing any work. Sounds like a green in the making. Hmm. So... They're walking through the tower, and before Elaine can move on to the other girl that they know that is there. That uh, also knows Rand. That also knows Rand. For the record. <laughs> Asterisk. Every single person, uh, except for the next character I say, knows Rand. Yeah. Elaine says, let us talk of happier things. There are two others here who know Rand, and I would like you to meet them. <laughs> Let's yeah. start a fan club. <laughs> I'm honestly kind of surprised that they don't have one. Uh, so Logan shows up. He is gentle AF. Soft. <laughs> he mentions that, like, the only reason that he that he thinks that they're watching him is so that he doesn't, like, find a knife and kill himself. And then one of the accepted comes up and is like, hey, let's go this way. Which sounds like they're working with uh, an old patient with dementia. And then after he's led away, we get to... Best girl. Min shows up. Hey, Min knows Rand. Let's talk to her about joining the fan club. What's the point of keeping a gentled person alive? It's like an example. Or like, hey, we don't execute people. We just remove the reason that they're dangerous. Ah. Yeah. So Min is great at all times that she is on screen, on page, whatever. Uh, she taunts Egoine. And then asks, is Randwell? Yeah. Eggy <laughs> uh, is especially Just call upset. call her Eggy. Yeah? Is that going to be a problem? You must be real close. Egg. I mean, she and I have shared a lot of pages. Is, is Min also the age 16 or is she older? That is a fascinating question. Because sometimes she sounds like she's older and then sometimes she sounds like not at all. Let's Are find out. Yes, about Min Farshaw. Sorry, I mean Elmendreda Farshaw. Um, that illustration of her makes her look old. Well, I wouldn't go by these illustrations, to be honest. 
Uh, it does not mention how old she is. So I am going to assume that she is older than it says. Yeah, maybe between Egwene's age and Rand's age. Anyway, what's important here is that everybody loves Rand. Gross. Including Gowan and Galad. Yeah, who show up to also talk about... Very shirtlessly. Yeah. Uh, Shows up, is shirtless. Both of them. They, I don't know. I don't hate them this early on. I think they're fun relief. Except for... I'll get to it in a second. So they're now the focus of the scene for a minute. Um, they're just kind of they checking in. S- they still gush about Randall Thor. Yeah, they're just <laughs> kind of checking in like, hey, we like Rand. Everything's cool. We still exist. Remember us, you know, a couple books from now. Galad continues to be a lad. Uh, <laughs> Absolute lad. The girls start hugging and giggling. Which, I don't remember why, I just remember being, like, so shocked that that was a real thing that happened. I want to read the section. Please. Well, the first part is, Gowan says, I wonder if meeting him will shift our lives in the pattern. Looks at camera. (laughs) Um, And then, the bit you're talking about is, Elaine says, I really do like you, she said abruptly, including both the girls in her gesture. I want to be your friend. And I want to be yours, Elaine said. Impulsively, Egwene hugged her, and then Min jumped down, and the three of them stood there on the bridge, hugging one another, all together. We three are tied together, Min said, and we cannot let any man get in the way of that. Not even him. This is all happening so fast. (laughs) I am ready for lesbians. Well, welcome to novice ship in the White Tower. (laughs) I mean, you say lesbians, but they say we three are tied together. And the only thing they could be talking about is that they love Rand. Yeah, like that's the only <laughs> that's the only thing that they all have in common. Dick and we're gonna be best friends. Over. <laughs> it's a term, uh, is it? Yeah. I wish you could see the look that I'm giving Bion. It's, it's it's not a made up term by me. It's a legit thing. I don't believe you. <laughs> Which means that I have to look it up. Oh God, you're right. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about this. I'm right. You're wrong. So they're all hugging and giggling. Then Leandrin comes up. And then, uh, wait, no, it's Elida. Oh yeah, Elida. One of the other L names. Another no. L named woman that has a lot of interest in Rand. Elida starts with an E. The L consonant is strong, though. The L consonant is strong with this one. Uh, so this is the part that I wanted to mention. So like every character in the White Tower is in this room. <laughs> like, except for Suan and Leanne. I, and like, Lenave and Varen. Varen is not at the White Tower. Oh, you mean like physically in the White Tower? Yeah, so like every character that is currently named and physically present at the White Tower, like maybe Anaya, but that's more than half of the characters at the White Tower are in this room right now. Tavarin? Three, four, five, yes, six. Okay, so that's like two-thirds of the named White Tower characters are currently present in this scene. It's so absurd that like people just keep walking up and then I, asking, how's Rand? Yeah. <laughs> Which, Rand? Rand? Rand. I, ha- I have questions, Min Farshaw. 
questions like, hey, how's Rand? <laughs> Have you had visions about Rand? It's just... Is he going to destroy Andor? I, I, I don't even know what to say. So she sends Elaine and Egwene away, and then Min thinks that she will fall in love with Rand, which, hey, spoilers. Grass. She says, light. I don't want to fall in love with a man I've only met once, and a farm boy at that. Well, She could do so much better. (laughs) Ooh, is that what you think? (laughs) Than Rand? Yeah. Yeah. Rand is very good, though. I mean, not right now. But he will be. I I don't know. I feel like Min could have a wonderful story on her own without this sheep boy. <laughs> I mean, probably. She, anyway. gets like, she gets like 30 pages of her own story in book four. Yeah. Good. She deserves it. She almost gets to be her own character. Good for her. So chapter 25, Kyrian. Rand Loyal and Hurin continue their journey to Kyrian, uh, accompanied by their escort. When the city comes into view, uh, it's laid out perfectly, and that makes me really happy. It's got these like huge walls, uh, giant towers on top of them, that all have broken tops from, still, from the Aiel War, like 20 years ago. Outside, though, sits the Foregate, which is a like crisscrossing warren of these wooden buildings um, full of people that either can't make it into the city or just choose to live out here. Many of these people were displaced by the Aiel War and just never returned home. Um, So, I don't know. I mean, it kind of seems like the same thing as Camelin, but maybe that's just because... They both are having issues. But like, hey, it's a big, nice city, very opulent with a rundown area outside. During this exchange, Rand pipes up in favor of the common folk. Uh, I believe there's something in here about them being dirty, and he's like, they're not that dirty. Yeah, and when they talk about finding an inn in the city, he's like, could I get an inn out here? And everyone gapes at him. Like, why are you like this? So I think something to keep track of with this, with the Kyrian chapters is that we've been establishing that Rand is becoming more and more lordly, mm-hmm. but that's more of like his level of authority, but he is not a lord in the traditional sense. And a lot of the conflict that comes in Kyrian is because of that. Yeah, he is still a woolhead. He just has people that listen to him. Yeah, He has authority, but he doesn't have diplomacy or classism. Yeah, which makes it great when he learns that. Not the classism part, I don't <laughs> think. Yeah, classism isn't good. Uh, so there's some bits in here about how they feel about the king of Kyrie, and, and it's pretty negative. He pretty much keeps the masses distracted by paying performers, uh, paying for horse races, and, like... Not bribing the Illuminators, wink wink, to set up a a chapter house near the city so that they can have fireworks. That's what the common people need. Keep them entertained. He's like shaking the keys and hoping that nobody looks over. (laughs) So Rand arrives at the 
gate to the city. He asks the person there to try and find some information about Celine. He says, all I know is her first name, I know what she looks like, and I know what her seal is, but I don't know anything else about her. And the guy's like, hmm, never heard of her. Don't even know if she lives here. Rand then makes his way into the city to find a place to stay. He arrives at the the Defender of the Dragon Wall, which I think uh, Huron recommends. He is mistaken for an Aiel for a minute, which continues to, hey, do you get it? Before being shown to the rooms that he, Huron, and Loyal are staying in. Have they explained what the f- whole deal with the Aiel War is yet? Mm, uh, I don't think so. No, Beyond? not okay. really. Just that they're super cool warriors. They are super cool warriors. What about Fran's physical appearance makes him stand out so much? His red hair, mostly. Yeah, I think because what happened is... So, like, across the world during the breaking, mm-hmm. the landscape changed so much that they mentioned you could, like, go to sleep in one country and wake up in another Mm-hmm. Um, and so that caused a lot of like intermixing of um, races and colors and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference being the Aiel do not come across the Dragon Wall back into the wetlands or westlands or yeah, however you want to say so it. So just some ginger isolationists. Yes. Yeah, they're they're the only people that aren't gently caramel colored. Yeah, they are. Um, they have like, yeah, they have reasons for not coming back across the dragon wall and nobody, even if you somehow like for whatever reason wanted to go into the Aiel waste, which you don't because it's called the waste, uh, the Aiel would not let you do it. So like they're, they are unique in that it is very easy to tell who they are. There's no intermixing. Yeah. And around 20 years ago, they came across the Dragon Wall to fuck up Kyrian. Yeah. Is Rand a pure-blooded Aeol? That's an excellent question. (laughs) And was it just never a big deal in the Two Rivers because of Tam? Uh, Yeah, well, because Tam came back with the wife from outside the Two Rivers and a baby. And so they were like, guess this is just his baby. Hmm. Don't worry that he doesn't look anything like either of his parents. Don't even think about it. <laughs> you saw nothing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, everyone in Kyrian is afraid of the Aiel. Which means that they're afraid of Rand if they know what an Aiel looks like. So Rand makes his way down to the foregate. Oh, are we going to skip... Oh. Uh, the invitations? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I ordered my notes in this way, but... Yes, uh, so he, he, like, walks back down. It's been, like, 20 minutes, and he has three <laughs> invitations sitting on a platter waiting for him. And he says, I'm not going to play your game, throws them in the fire, and then walks out. Yeah, we haven't really discussed the fact that in Kyrian, they play the George R. R. Martin game all the time. Yes. Dice de Mar. It's the game of houses. It is the game of houses. Gross. Um... Dias de Mar, yes, uh, the game of houses, which 
just means that everyone is always manipulating everyone else. I'm not going to be an Ace Sedai puppet. I'm not going to be a house puppet. <laughs> Man, sure hope that none of the Ace Sedai are also from one of the great houses of Kyrian. Coughs mm. in... Marine Damodred. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, too bad, loudly declaring that you're not playing Dice Damar just seems like a super power play Dice Damar play. Yeah. Yeah, Rand accidentally bumbles his way into <laughs> everyone really thinking good. he's a master manipulator. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, we'll get to it. So he goes down to the foregate and he likes what he sees about the life and energy of the place. Um, there's performers, there's people with like the giant um, puppets going through the streets uh, it's, it's like the it's like the parade from Borat. Yes, uh, I was gonna say one of the parades. Um, Beyond, you'll probably know what this is called. It's like a, um, I think it's like a Chinese celebration where they've got like the dragon mm -hmm. on the poles and they're walking around. Like that's kind of what I imagined. Not dragons, but like that's kind of what I imagined these puppets being. So like Lunar New Year. That's what it is. Yes. Except it's every day. Except it's. Every day, every minute, because they're being paid to distract people from the meaninglessness of their existence. And there's also like a street. There's also a street magician claiming to be an Aes Sedai. Yeah, who? Yeah, it's all. It's great in that it sucks. So he meanders his way through this makeshift city, and then he hears somebody that he thinks he knows, and he. Like, runs closer to the voice, and, hey, it's Tom. Not dead. Not dead, but definitely limping. Tom's not dead? Whoa. So, he and Tom talk for a minute, and Tom's like, hey, meet me at the place that I'm staying. We'll talk more, but not right now. I am making my money. Yes. So, that's the end of the chapter. It kind of just is this, like, transitional... So that's the end of the chapter. Uh, it's kind of just this transitional, like, hey, not a lot is happening here, but we're setting up a bunch of stuff that is going to happen in Kyrie and be prepared. Be prepared for the rest of this story arc. Uh, so chapter 26, Discord. So Rand goes back to the Defender, grabs the heart, the flute, and Loyal. <laughs> just grabs the, the tall... He, like, actually does. It talks about him, like, having to push Loyal into the shirt so that he can go out. Yeah. And uh, then as they're, like, running out, he, like, winks at the bartender to make him, again, think he's doing some kind of dice to Mar master play. Uh, yeah. Brand is just... He's great. Tamarin. Uh, uh, so they go to the bunch of grapes to see Tom... They are sent up to his room where there is a young woman named Denna who is kind of the new apprentice. But then Tom shows up and she is more than an apprentice. She's like a third his age and they're just making out in the middle of the room. Gross. Yeah, a little. No, thanks. And then he sends her out to go pick up some throwing knives. 
The Jiraiya comparisons in my head just continue. It's gross. Jiraiya didn't have these big white mustaches to knuckle, though. So. (laughs) He had his nasty, nasty long hair, though. That's true. Rand returns the instruments to Tom uh, and then catches him up on what he's been doing, uh, including finding the Horn of Valir, which Tom... Which is a choice. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Tom does not believe him for a minute. He's like, I could find, I don't know. Did you pull out the quote? Not exactly. Okay. But he's uh, like, he uh, he essentially thinks that Rand has been scammed. Yeah, into... Buying a fake horn of Valir. Yeah. So, Rand, this all leads into Rand asking, like, hey, can you help us get the horn back to Shinar? Because, like, hey, I don't know anything. So can you assist? Because you do know things. And I would really love to have the help of someone that's competent. And Tom's like, no, you. Nah, Uh, I'm going to stick with my life here. Yeah. He's like, I'm good here. I'm making lots of money. Um, Everything's Gucci. Got a hot young girlfriend. Yeah. Which is, again, strange choice. And then also he says how a gleeman is not a job for a young woman. Yeah. Which is just the power dynamics makes me very uncomfortable. Well, it sounds like he's saying that being he's a training gleeman, her to be a court bard, which is like a higher level. Yeah, like being a gleeman just kind of sucks is what it sounds like. Not that he's like, women can't be gleeman. Like a gleeman plays in dive bars. He yeah. wants her to be a court bard. Yeah, like we have this vision of Gleeman as being great because the two rivers gets nothing, <laughs> but the Gleeman are not like super high class. You're just kind of making enough money to get to the next town. Mm. Whereas a court bard would presumably have like cash to burn. So once uh, Tom rejects him, Rand asks about the Carathian cycle, which Tom starts spouting off some relevant lines from. Thanks, Tom. For reading ahead in the book and knowing which part is going to be important. Twice and twice shall he be marked, twice to live and twice to die. Once the heron to set his path, twice the heron to name him true. Once the dragon for remembrance lost, twice the dragon for the price he must pay. Oh, wow. Do, do you get it? Do you, do you get it? Because he's got the heron mm-hmm. once, so that's that's kind of like setting his path. <laughs> and then and then if there's a second heron at any point that'll be, be named true. true yeah a uh, reminder that he will be bannered across the sky just a little thinking emoji to put some pieces of information together yeah so rand slips up during this conversation and reveals that he can channel so tom gives him some advice which is basically hey good kill luck. yourself yeah uh tom spends a lot of time on xbox live (laughs) uh he continues to refuse to help take the horn back to shinar uh he sends rand away and rand's like okay fine i'll see you around and tom says no you won't (laughs) and then the innkeeper comes up and talks with tom and the innkeeper is an old friend i did not pull out the quote that this is referencing but I have in my notes, he may as well turn to the camera and tempt fate. I tell you, the game has grown dangerous in Kyrian the last few years. Nothing like what you knew in Camelin. 
There are murders done now. You'll have your throat cut for you if you don't watch out. Hmm. Hmm. Looks at camera. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? Death flag, death flag, death flag. So that finishes up the chapter, and we get to 27. The night in shadow. I'm sorry. Wow. The other way around. The shadow in the night. (laughs) The night in the shadow. Listen, I have been awake. The the natto in the (laughs) shite. Whoa. I have been awake for the time that this podcast has been recording, plus like 10 minutes. Yeah, so Loyal and Rand are returning to the inn through the foregate. When some of the puppets come alive, and hey, they're not puppets. They're Trollocs. This is very Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah. They... Zoinks. <laughs> I imagine that the Trolloc is wearing a Trolloc mask and, like, pulls the mask off, and it's the exact same thing <laughs> underneath. Like, it's a goat head mask, and then it takes it off, and it's a goat head Trolloc. <laughs> Don't Trollocs have a distinctive smell? You probably can't smell anything in the foregate, except for everything. Okay. So, like, it probably doesn't stand out. Anyways, Jinkies. Jinkies. <laughs> it's a Trolloc. Jinkies, it's Shadow Spawn. Um, so the Trolloc shows up and is rushing them, um, but luckily the moon rises over the lakes and kills the Trolloc. Yeah, on this one I didn't have as much of a problem with the sword form. It says, there was no time to think. Instinct brought the sword out of its sheath in a flashing arc. The moon rises over the lakes. And just that little bit of extra description and context makes it seem a lot less silly. Hmm. I can understand. That one scene was just horrific. (laughs) Well, I think we get one that is as bad or worse in this book, and I'm really excited to get to it. But then there's another Trolloc that comes up behind Rand, grabs him, and then it choke slams him off the top rope. John Cena. Yes. Do, 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 do. Exactly. Um, but then... But Lo- then, then Loyal gets his intro music. Yeah. By God, that's Loyal's music. <laughs> and then he comes up and just snaps the Trolloc's neck after wrestling with it for a minute, uh, which is sick. And uh, Rand fails to channel the power while trying. Which, hey, good on you, Rand. At least he's doing his best. He's trying to save his friend. So they are trying to make their way back inside the city proper, um, but they are being herded again by these Trollocs that are posing as puppets or just uh, walking around in alleyways. Um, When they run into Selene. Hi, Selene. She starts negging him. Yeah. Uh, she tries to convince Rand to use the horn, which he couldn't because he doesn't have it. So good try before they decide to just move on so that they don't get caught. Oh, and by the way, this scene is taking place in the evening, I think. Like evening slash early night. Yes. Yes. Was that not clear? Well, it was clear. I just forgot to mention it during this. I mean, he says it like 10 times about like the dusky twilight. Yes. And isn't the whole title include the shadow at night? Yes. What I'm saying is, I just forgot to mention it. I wanted it to be clear. Ah, thank you, dear host. I hate you. (laughs) You're the one that proposed, so... Let's not talk about it. What's important here is that the place that they start running to 
turns out to be the Illuminator Chapter House. Which, hey. Nothing can go wrong. Yeah. Nice, Rand. Also definitely read them as Illuminati for a bit. (laughs) What were you saying, Jesse? I said we're about to do some Home Alone stuff. Yeah, this is shenanigans. (laughs) Uh, So they make their way inside... Loyal is trying to tell Rand something this whole time and then finally gets it out that, uh, hey, Illuminators kill people that they find in the chapter house. Like, you can't hide in here. They're going to kill us. Better burn it down. Yeah. (laughs) So they are hiding and then Celine doesn't need to sneak around. She's just like walking. And uh, Rand, I think, feels pretty uneasy about it. Um, he's sneaking. Loyal is 10 feet tall, so he's doing his best, but it's not great. Loyal knocks over some lit punks and sets off a firework. Uh, <sighs> which, yeah, they're a bunch of bumble kings. So as the firework is getting ready to go off, Rand tackles Celine to the ground, which she's upset about, but he's like, you don't want to be here. They all hide behind a wall. The firework goes off. Uh, which draws the attention of the Illuminators. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Tammuz is a great pig, which, I don't know. I just, there's like this really short conversation between um, whoever the actual important character in this scene is that's an Illuminator and this guy named Tammuz, where she's implying that he's an idiot. And then the firework goes off and she yells, Tammuz, you great pig. Uh, Celine continues to not be worried about being seen after this point. Trollocs finally get into the chapter house. They are not, like, storming the gate. They're just trying to catch Rand. Rand sends Loyal and Celine off while he grabs a firework and, like, pulls a Mulan to shoot it at them. As I said, Home Alone stuff. Yeah. Uh, he could use the power if he could use it. Rand is Macaulay Culkin. (laughs) Please update your headcanons. Yeah, what a hero. Uh, So after this explosion, Celine disappears. And so it's just Rand and Loyal. The two of them are escaping. Uh, They make their way back to the Defender. When they get there, Celine has sent Rand a note already. Uh, Find me when you're glorious. Yeah, asking him to take glory... Uh, hoping that they will be together and reminding him that he is always hers. This is fine. This is fine. Don't worry about this it. This is normal human interaction. I think she needs to move on. <laughs> yeah. It's been like 3,000 years. We're we're done with the section. We're free. We need to say our closing. Yeah. No, I was going to do that. I just meant... Um, you know, besides the Nene thing and the Rand fan club, like not, not a lot changes. I guess we know that Tom is alive. Um, because we were all really worried. Hey, <laughs> some of us were. About him? Were you not? No. Oh. Are you worried now that he is with a girl that's a third his age? I'm not worried. I'm disgusted. Oh, well, wait, is the like actual question is this may december yeah okay cool uh that does it for this section um yeah so not like not a hugely relevant set of stuff just kind of 
Some hey, flavor. Some flavor. Stuff's moving forward. Um, Considering it's week eight of school, though, I appreciate it. Yeah, I think... So we have three sections left in this book. Um, and let me pull up exactly what they are. Because I think it actually breaks down pretty well. Um, as far as, like, hey, the next section, something important happens. And then the one after that is gearing up for the finale. And then the last one is the finale. So, um, so next week we will be reading chapters 28 to 34. Jesse, where can people find us? People can find us on our Twitter page at real reading, which will be in the description. And if you want to reach out to us, also you can write a review or leave a rating on any of your podcast services. We'd love to hear from people. Tyler, take us away. Well, cool. I'll take you away. My secret place. Don't know the rest of that. The sweet escape. The sweet escape. That's what it is. Thank you. Uh, Well, besides getting copyright striked at the end there, this has been fun. Uh, This has been The Third Wheel. Uh, I'm Tyler. I'm Bion. And I'm Jesse. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you.